Hey, and welcome to episode 68 of Orla's Happy Hormones podcast. And I'm very much aware that I have been MIA for the last couple of weeks. Again, 2020. It's been throwing a few wobblers and needed to take a little bit of headspace. Some things have happened within the family. Everything's okay. Everyone's fine. Got a bit of a shock. My body went into complete shutdown mode. My adrenals just collapsed and there was just way too much cortisol and adrenaline floating through my system and I, I couldn't couldn't think straight, couldn't function, couldn't do anything because we were in chronic fight or flight mode for a good five, six days. So I just had to take the time out and rest, <laughs> purely rest and just take a break from social media and take a break from answering questions and just take a break sometimes we have to do these things sometimes things happen and you just need a day a day or two but for me because I'm someone whose cortisol levels are I'm trying to reduce them down anyway as it is and when we get big shocks the amount of cortisol and adrenaline that surge through the system it can be colossal and it can have really negative effects on the body in the past if anything would have happened and would have kind of derailed me a bit I'd keep kind of powering through I'd go to the gym I'd just do I'd still overwork and things like that this time around I was like no I can't my body just needs a break so I stopped training and I took a break from the podcast and social media and everything for a little bit because you can't fill up anyone else's cup until you fill up your own and it's as simple as that. And this so this week I'm doing a Q&A style podcast. And I was supposed to have had a last week. My plan last week was to record a full, like spend two days recording. I think I have a list of 12 podcasts. And they were just going to be recorded. Left in the archives, ready to go, bang them out. But I wasn't able to do that. And this week I'm doing a Q&A style one because on my Instagram I do a Q&A on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays and I only ever answer the first five questions that come in. And I, I, I hate not being able to answer all of them and I try to get back to everyone but it's just sometimes it's just not feasible when I'm going between clinic and online work and everything. So I think I might make this a regular thing like a regular monthly thing where I just do a Q&A from the leftover questions on my weekly Q&As I'll kind of compile a list of all the similar questions and just bang out a Q&A style podcast with those like those frequently asked questions because I love doing the Q&A style I absolutely love doing it because I love to give the information back to you it's a you're asking me I'm telling you and I hope that you get something from it so I do love doing these these style episodes and I'm hoping next week that I will be able to record those 12 episodes <laughs> and have them ready to go week on for the next 12 weeks, which sounds mad. But yeah, they'll see us through to the end of the year anyway. I hope <laughs> we may get a few different ones in. I may change it up. Who knows? The one lesson I have learned, not that I've learned many lessons over this year really have but one of the biggest ones especially in the last couple of weeks is you never know what's going to happen 
life happens and it can derail you and you can have one thing planned in your head and something completely different happens we have these visions for ourselves we have these plans for ourselves and when something major happens the for me the prospect of losing someone who was extremely close to me was yeah it put life into a massive perspective for me so like I said I will do I will record the 12 episodes who knows if they'll go out there is nothing ever guaranteed in this life it's something I've had to learn the hard way now but very grateful that everyone is okay and that I didn't lose them very very grateful I'm very grateful for the people in my life who support me through all that I have my family and then I've a couple of friends two very very close friends who got me through comfort and logic very grateful for them so enough of my waffling and I will get on to the questions so I'm answering four this week the first one is would you recommend the pill or the coil my answer to this is I would recommend what is best for you and I know that's a very annoying answer to get but it all depends on what it is that you're looking for if it's purely for contraception what's going to agree with you more because both have side effects so the pill is a hormonal contraceptive and it has a whole host of side effects I've done a full podcast on the pill how it works on the body what sort of side effects that you get and what it's doing so basically what the pill does is stops ovulation and changes your and stops your natural hormonal cycle or secretions and you are then taking synthetic hormones a steady flow of synthetic hormones to stop ovulation if you are someone who has zero gynecological problems zero hormonal problems so if you don't have anything wrong with your periods if you don't have pms if you don't have any thyroid conditions if you don't have any insulin conditions if you don't have any gut health problems then look it may be an option for you but be mindful that by taking a synthetic hormone on a daily basis over a long period of time may have some negative physiological effects on the system the side effects of the pill they're quite extensive they range from headaches migraines nausea skin problems mood disorders depression anxiety ibs ibd insomnia the list goes on and on and on the pill isn't just a a magic little pill that stops you from getting pregnant it has physiological effects on the body what I would recommend is that you get the book called How the Pill Changes Everything. That book will explain everything in detail to you. Now, I'm not here bashing the pill. The pill serves a purpose. If you don't want to get pregnant, fantastic. The pill served the purpose of creating body autonomy for women, which was amazing. It was like one of the major steps in feminism and female equality. We finally had a say over our bodies, whether we got pregnant or not. 
The problem with the pill though is that a lot of doctors prescribe the pill to quote unquote balance your hormones when in fact the pill does not balance your hormones, the pill stops ovulation and stops your natural hormonal secretion which then in turn masks any gynecological problem until you come off the pill again. When you do come back off the pill, if you did have problems pre-pill, you would expect to go back to those problems and sometimes, a lot of the times, the symptoms can be worse. So it's weighing up your options on that. What I've seen a lot in clinic is women who were put on the pill for different conditions, PCOS, endometriosis, fibroids, and to fix the problem, to treat it, but it, it, the pill doesn't treat it, it masks it. And then when they come off the pill and they try to conceive, you have to go back to square one in the first place. You have to go back and still fix the root cause of the problem to be able to conceive. So it's being mindful of that. Then when it comes to the coil, so you've got the marina coil or the copper coil. So the marina coil is a hormonal one. Again, you're going to have the same side effects as the pill. It's it's stopping ovulation. It's stopping your natural hormonal secretions. So you're looking at the same idea as the pill. The only thing is, is that you've got an extra barrier or an extra method of contraception by the barrier method of the bar of the coil because it's in a T shape. So the bar blocks the the entrance into the cervix, and not the entrance into the cervix. Sorry, the entrance into the opening of the womb. But then there's the copper coil. Now the copper coil is a non-hormonal method of contraception. And again, great, you're not getting a steady flow of synthetic hormones into your system. So you're not messing with your hormones there. The problem with the copper coil though is, is that copper creates inflammation within the cervix and the womb. So that if sperm does actually get past the that T-bar and it, it reaches an egg and an egg is fertilized, it will create inflammation within the womb so that an embryo cannot attach. The problem with this then is that you're act, you can cause systemic inflammation throughout the system. What I have seen a lot of is women who have been put on the or women who go or who get the copper coil and then they go and they get their cervical smears and all of a sudden there's abnormalities in the cells of the cervix and the reason for abnormalities in cell chain or for changes in cells or abnormalities in cells is predominantly down to inflammation. So because the copper is causing the inflammation, it you are raising your risks of negative cell change. Also what we're looking at with the copper coil is your periods will become a hell of a lot heavier. Again, this is down to inflammation. Your prostaglandin levels are going to be raised. So if you're someone who has heavy periods already or painful periods already, I would be mindful of going down that route because your periods will become a lot more heavier and a lot more painful. Now, this isn't to say that's the case for everyone, but it's just being mindful. What I would recommend is really doing some extensive research. And when I say extensive research, I don't mean weeks and days take a few hours, take two hours, go on to Google Scholar, look up research studies into both the pill and the copper coil, weigh up the pros and cons, and then sit with it and think about what feels right for you. And then make your decision.
It's a very personal decision. Nobody can tell you what to do when it comes to contraception or when it comes to the pill or the coil or anything. It's your body. You're the one who's going to have to go through with any sort of side effects or you may not get side effects. Like everybody's body is different. Everybody's constitution is different. But if you are someone who has any sort of gut problems or inflammatory problems or hormonal problems, do some research first and then make your decision. Do up your pro-con list and go from there. And remember, nothing is ever permanent. It can be reversed. You can stop taking the pill or you can get the coil removed. But like I said, it's a very personal decision. Do your pro-con and go from there. So I hope that helps. My next question is, my period is late. How do I bring it on? Okay, I've had many women contact me with that exact question asking me, how can I bring my period on? We wanna try again for next month once we're trying to conceive. Don't try to bring it on because many women who have been in contact with me, it turns out that they were actually pregnant, but the HCG levels just weren't high enough to to detect it. So give it a few days, take another pregnancy test, presuming you've already taken a pregnant taken a pregnancy test and if it still comes back negative and your period still isn't coming go to your doctor get them to do some blood works it may have the results may have to come back through through the blood work if you're someone who's not pregnant there are many different things that you can take to help bring on your period i don't really like discussing them online because there are a lot of substances out there a lot of supplements and herbs that are known as um abortifications and i ethically i don't like putting that information out there really and when i say ethically it's i mean professionally ethics wise if somebody wants to have an abortion i fully support their their decision because everybody has the right to their own decision but I would be mind I'm I have to be mindful of what information I put out there because somebody could go and take these herbs and supplements to do a home job and then there can be complications and I would be putting a woman's life at risk by actually really putting out all this information that I would tend to have people either come to me after they've done all the pregnancy tests and da 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 now I have done posts on it in the past like little there are certain things if you are 100% not pregnant the likes of your strong ginger tea and chamomile tea calendula simisifuga now I I'm naming out these herbs but these herbs can only be prescribed by a herbalist or a doctor there are lots of herbs that can help bring on your period and for any woman who suffers with amenorrhea, like I, I have a lot of clients in the clinic who have amenorrhea, be it hypothalamic or primary or secondary or post-pill amenorrhea, PCOS amenorrhea, there's many different types of amenorrhea. But I have to work one-on-one with these women to bring the periods on naturally 
uh, or well to help support their bodies to bring their periods on naturally because the cause is very different for everyone so for yourself why is your period late that's really the first question is it that you're stressed that's typically the main reason for a late period is stress so looking at reducing your stress levels actually letting yourself be okay with your period being late and if that means missing one month of trying to conceive looking at the bigger scheme of things the grander scheme of things it's only one month you need to drop the cortisol levels and the adrenaline levels you need to let your body come back into a place of ease and calm naturally that's my advice on this and I know it's not very helpful to the question that was asked but it's all very dependent on the person so I am sorry but if you do want to get in touch you can give me a call and I can talk you through certain things so the third question then is I'm considering therapy but don't know if it's for me I'm nervous well I think everybody should go down the route of therapy at some stage or another the way I look at it is it's an NCT for the for the mind I started therapy when I was 14 first with a psychiatrist wasn't a very positive experience for me now I'm not saying all psychiatrists are like this but for me personally I didn't have a good experience I found there was very little to no empathy very clinical very by the book and if anything I was worse coming out of there every week but then I we I had to for anyone who hasn't listened to my previous podcasts I was misdiagnosed at 13 with um, clinical depression and I was self-harming so I had to see someone I had to see a counsellor because I was put on medication medication which anybody under the age of 18 should not have been put on but I was um so I had to see a therapist because I was on this medication so I ended up going down the route of psychotherapy and my very first psychotherapist she was absolutely amazing it's like I always say there need to be more Marishas in the world her name is Marisha O'Sullivan she's a phenomenal woman she's still practicing she's in her 70s and she's still practicing but she's just cool and there needs to be more Marishas in the world so that started me on the road of psychotherapy so I went to her for a few years then I took a break then I went back in my early 20s a few things came up for me and there were just areas that I needed to look at I found one a guy in town I can't remember his name unfortunately I only went to him for a few sessions but he really helped then in my late 20s again went back overwhelming stress from college and work and life kind of got the better of me and I needed a bit of help figuring my head out and the therapist I went to then that was Richard he is psychotherapy but he uses a lot of CBT and so that's cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy really beneficial there are so many different types of therapies so if you're your integrative your integrative psychotherapy you have your talk therapy you have your cbt therapy i am currently back in therapy i started back oh over a month ago 
and I'm actually now using somatic therapy. So somatic therapy is a mixture of talk therapy, but also body therapy. So it's connecting back in with your nervous system. In life, we all have many different things that happen to us. They can be little traumas, they can be big traumas, they can be from childhood, they can be from your adolescence, from adult life, whatever. But we store trauma within the body. Now, for me, I was resistant therapy this year because I had I had delved into behavioral psychology. Like I dived headfirst into it because I needed to under, understand certain aspects of behavior in people so I could understand it within myself and I could understand it within people who were a part of my life and I had to know why I reacted the way I reacted to things and I had to know why somebody or why some people act the way that they act and so I got a really big understanding around that I got the intellectual understanding around it and I I worked through a lot of um, personal issues there as in like no guilt, like getting rid of the the guilt and shame around certain things. But I was still harboring some, not so much emotions, it was that my body was holding on to things. So I couldn't have anybody, and even now I find it hard to have anybody come up behind me and put their, put their hand on my back or have somebody if I don't see someone coming and even they just come up very gently beside me I'll jump I'm quite a jumpy person and these are things that have been stuck within my nervous system for a long time so this year I got to the root cause of a lot of things but because trauma becomes stuck within the nervous system I was like okay I've gone so far on my own I need help with the last hurdle and that last hurdle is connecting back in with my body and with my nervous system. So I did a bit of research and somatic therapy, it kept coming into my space. It kept coming up like on my news feed or I'd be reading articles and seeing somatic therapy and then I did a workshop on releasing traumas from the body and somatic therapy was part of it. and because it kept coming into my space I was like okay this is something I really need to look at that and along with EFT so emotional freedom technique so I found a therapist and I've been going to her now for the last few weeks and it's I find it extremely beneficial when we talk we'll talk a little bit about a story about things that happened and while we're talking she's scanning my body for any sort of hints or triggers that I wouldn't even notice within myself and she'll spot it and she'll be like okay what's going on within the body there now so like we stop talking and I, I go inward and I look in at my body and I'm like okay I'm feeling a knot in my stomach or in my chest or a lump in my throat and then we breathe through it and I just bring my awareness to it and I, it's literally letting my nervous system gently process whatever trigger has caused a fight or flight response within the nervous system, within the automatic nervous system. We bec- our, our minds become extremely clever in hiding a physical response to ourselves that we don't even realize the physical response unless it's a large one. For me, it's like the people who are closest to me know 
not to come up behind me and know not to give me a fright <laughs> because they have the awareness. But even I could be walking down the street and if a, a, a motorbike drives past, I jump. So those bigger reactions, they're, they're not great. <laughs> so, but the somatic therapy is helping my body discern the real threats from false threats. And yeah, so I, I actually really recommend therapy for everyone. Like I said, I've used it for years and it's not something that you have to stay with constantly. You go in, you work on some stuff, you get awareness, you heal certain areas of your life and you move through it and you've got your lessons for the next part of your journey. And we go through everything, one thing after another after another. That's why I always say things happen for us is because it's getting us ready for the next stage. You're getting lessons that are preparing you for the next part of your life or for the next part of your journey. So it's essential for things to happen for us. It's how we respond to them. I'm not saying that you have to be all high and mighty and I can handle this. No, sometimes you have to break. Sometimes you have to crumble. You can crumble for a day, two days, a week, a month even, and then you build yourself back up. But it's when you crumble, it's when you crumble, you go into that space and you heal it. Therapy is a really good tool for supporting you through things. Life is a rat race for everyone. And everybody, I, I don't care who says anything. Not who says anything. But I don't care who says that they had, they have a fantastic life and nothing has ever happened to them and blah, blah, blah. Everybody has something. They do. It's why I'm like, can... I feel that we just need to show compassion towards everyone because you don't know what's going on in people's heads. You don't know what's going on in people's bodies, in their hearts, in their minds. You don't know what people have lived through. And you don't know what people have come out the other side of. So if we can show compassion towards each other and show a little bit of support, I think that's really beneficial. And then getting support for yourself. And a lot of the time, going to a professional, going to someone who has the tools, who knows how to help you. Like talking to friends is great, but sometimes we just you need a you you need an unbiased sounding board. Someone who's not going to judge, and that is the main thing with therapy is that they don't judge. Now, what I will say about therapy is that the first therapist you go to may not be the right fit for you. I look at finding a therapist <laughs> like being on Tinder. You're going to have to swipe a few frogs, and wait until you meet the right match because at the end of the day a therapist isn't a god they're still a human being you may not click and that's okay if that happens don't be disheartened go and find someone else what what i do is i actually always recommend getting a recommendation from someone don't just look online for me finding this woman i actually got on to my very first psychotherapist marish uh looking for a recommendation now she's not in galway so anymore so that's why I got onto her and I was like have you got any recommendations for someone that's close close-ish to me and I trust her and I trust her opinion so the first name she sent back to me I got in touch with her and we started the following week so look at it look at it like a bit like tinder you may be swiping until you find the right match 
and you'll know when you meet the person you'll you'll know if there's someone that can hold that space for you that's non non-judgmental and who can guide you through whatever process it is that you, you need the help being guided through but the one thing i promise you is you won't regret it you will not regret going to therapy because you get to know yourself pure and simple you get to know you it's not a matter of going in and talking about all the sad stories it's about knowing you and about figuring out what it is that you want in life how it is that you deal and cope with certain scenarios and why it is you are the way that you are it's like awareness around yourself is huge one thing I will say to you it is Pandora's box once you go down that road there's no coming back once you start getting self-awareness it's like you, 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 you can't come back from it and you do tend to keep wanting to better yourself but that's life that's what that journey is about so yes I would highly recommend it so I hope that helps and my final question is any advice for perimenopause hot flashes and night sweats oh the joys of perimenopause and perimenopause is something that has only become common knowledge in the last few years which I think is cracked uh my like I've spoken to my mother and my aunts and I'm like how old were you when you started perimenopause and they were like what is perimenopause I'm like so it's that period before you actually start menopause and it can start for women in their late 30s it can start as early as that like once you go over 35 36 your estrogen levels automatically start dropping once your estrogen levels start significantly declining you're into perimenopause so it's looking at how to support the system there so if you are someone who's in your late 30s or even early 40s it's just a matter of making sure that your estrogen levels are are being balanced so the main thing really that you're looking at is a balanced lifestyle right now so looking at the likes of a healthy diet plenty of rest and also exercise and relaxation you need all these areas to be <clears throat> to be targeted to help an overall balanced life when it comes to the low estrogen levels you're automatically looking at a lot of uh, fatigue as well because with menopause your adrenal glands are actually suffering too so certain herbs that i would use in clinic with women who are suffering with perimenopause and menopause so for your night sweats sage three sage tea three times a day like a cold infusion of sage tea will help to reduce your hot flushes and your night sweats but then as well looking at other herbs that are going to help to balance your the that are going to balance the hormones but as well support your adrenal glands particularly if you do suffer from stress because stress will deplete your adrenal glands even further so the herbs that i personally use with clients to with women to support the menopausal symptoms the likes of shatavari that's it's an adaptogenic herb but it's also a hormone modulator it's a female tonic it's a yin tonic and simisifugus which is black cohosh again that is restricted to herbalists and doctors to prescribe so you would need to actually go to a herbalist to get a prescription of simisifuga other herbs like wild yams again these contain phytosterols which are going to help with that estrogen balance and then withania so um withania ashwagandha sorry i'm so used to saying the the latin terms that they were drilled into me in college so ashwagandha again it's, it's quite a good adaptogenic herb 
and licorice root really good for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms licorice and peony mixed together is a great combination one for the adrenals and two as a hormone modulator the only thing that licorice will act can increase your blood pressure so if you're someone who is prone to high blood pressure you will need to stay away from licorice root also ashwagandha can increase your blood pressure slightly so be mindful of how much that you're taking there when it comes to herbs i'm always saying don't self-prescribe do get in touch with a herbalist someone that's local to you someone that you get a recommendation from and go from there then as well looking at other herbs the likes of your liver herbs I know I'm the queen of the liver and gut health. There is a podcast coming on that. It's on my list. I'll be recording it next week. Um, well, having to support your liver function to excrete any excess stress hormones, so your cortisol and adrenaline, that's really important because if there's a backlog, not a backlog, but if there is excess stress hormones flowing through the system, it's going to have a knock-on effect on your sex hormones. So being mindful of your liver health, making sure that you are keeping those pathways clear. Dandelion root would be the safest one because it has no interactions with any... Sorry, my voice is going on me here. I need to sip on some tea. So the dandelion root doesn't have any interact interactions with any medications, but if you do, if you are someone that would suffer from gallstones or uh blocked blocked gall ducts you need to be mindful you you need to stay away from it um another good liver herb would be burdock root burdock root is great one a lot of people use milk thistle but milk thistle interacts with medications because it blocks the p450 pathway that's the pathway that medications are metabolized and the uptake of them go through so just do be mindful of any sort of liver herbs that are any herbs that you're taking other measures that you can take so the likes of all your essential fatty acids you need to make sure that you're getting enough omega 3 and 9 omega 6 is like the balance of omega 3 6 and 9 is important but it's the ratio that you're looking at because omega 3 and 9 are anti-inflammatory but omega 6 is pro-inflammatory so just be mindful of that but get a good quality essential fatty acid then as well making sure that you're eating foods that are rich in calcium and vitamin d for your bone health now when i say foods rich in calcium i don't mean dairy because the calcium that's in dairy actually deposits on top of the bones instead of inside the bones so all your greens you're getting more calcium from your greens than you are your milk when you see the ad saying drink your milk for strong bones no eat your greens for strong bones and then as well your vitamin d is, is crucial for bone health and in Ireland, we, we don't really get that much. So I will be looking at those two. Like supplementing with a good quality vitamin D, but eating foods that are rich in calcium. Then as well, a good probiotic to make sure that you're absorbing the nutrients from your foods. And then phytoestrogen rich foods. When your estrogen levels are lowering, eating foods that do contain phytosterols are quite good. So the likes of an organic flax, organic fermented um soy products so like your your tempeh or your miso but it needs to be organic non-gmo and fermented these foods contain phytosterols which are estrogen mimicking and they can increase the estrogen levels within the system which will help to reduce the menopausal symptoms 
and then making sure that you are getting adequate exercise so weight-bearing exercise you the best way to build up your bone density is through weight-bearing exercise now i'm not saying you have to go and deadlift or squat but even just get two three kilo dumbbells and you know do a few lunges a few squats a bit of weighted walking doesn't have to be hard intense exercise it can be quite gentle but making sure that you are adding weight even doing body weight exercises there's loads of classes online there's loads of trainers online that will help that will work with women specifically who are menopausal and they know what they're at so i'd actually google any fitness instructors who who specialize in menopausal fitness um, because they're going to know exactly what they're talking about and they're going to guide you in the right direction for what it is that you need but for yourself for the hot flushes and the night sweats get the sage tea and then possibly look at getting a consult again with the herbalist uh, someone who was recommended to you someone that you trust for getting a formula specific for yourself to help support you through the process so i hope that helps and that's all four of them. I hope they've helped. I know I waffled a bit in the beginning. And again, I think I went a bit TMI on the uh, on the therapy side of things. Maybe. I'm not sure. I press record and I talk. And when I'm sitting in a room talking to myself, I feel like I'm talking to myself, forgetting that other people are actually going to listen to this. <laughs> but, yeah, I do hope it, it does help. And... Like I said in the beginning of it, life is precious. Hold those who are closest to you that little bit tighter at the moment. And be grateful for everyone that's in your life. So for now, happy Friday, happy weekend, and happy hormones. <laughs>